guys. Should we welcome people to our podcast first? Bum, 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 bum. Bum, 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 bum. Bum, 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 bum. Bum, 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 bum. Oh, wait. Wait, that is the wedding song, right? Okay. I got really worried it was the graduation theme for a second. I got worried it was some kind of funeral march. God. We sang it like one. Yeah, we definitely did. Yeah, I got worried that it was graduation by... You know, Nelly Furtado, whoever that was. <laughs> Never mind, sorry, that was definitely a reference for only our young listeners. Acceptable wedding edition yeah. of the perfectly acceptable podcast by the Comics Place in Bellingham, Washington. Wedding size. Weddings. <laughs> uh, each week we read comics, then we talk about them. We're going to spoil some. We're going to spoil the shit out of some. We're going to spoil the shit out of this week's books. We're a little bit late to the game on some of them. Some of them have been spoiled already. And to be fair, we're recording this on Tuesday before our midnight release. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they've been that spoiled that early is probably um, a source of conversation that we should have on this Poco. When we get to the wedding in just a minute here. Oh, yeah. We're going to talk about that wedding coming right up. Uh, but first... We should tell them what else we're going to talk about, Jeff. Well, this week we're going to talk about, not necessarily in this order, because you never know if Batman number 50, the wedding special, is the first book or the next book, but it might also be the order of Cosmic Ghost Rider, Death of the Inhumans, both of those number ones, Man of Steel, both by Donny Cates, too, Man of Steel number six, Captain America number one, not by Donny Cates, Unnatural number one, Batman number 50, and Catwoman number one. Maybe in reverse order, though. You never know. That's the it's thing about us. It's jazz music. Just like all good weddings, there will be some surprises in this episode. Uh, and uh, at the end, everybody's going to leave happy. Just like all good weddings. Yep. I'm Django, and uh, I'm, wearing, I'm wearing the weirdest suit right now. You guys should see it. It's, he's... He's not wearing a you suit. You don't tell them what I'm wearing <laughs> and not wearing, Jeffrey. Uh, I'm Jeff, and I am just, I'm not sure how histamines and antihistamines as words are used, but I am having, I got those allergy eyes. They are <laughs> crackly and filled with itchy things, and I think touching them makes it worse. It does, touching them. I'll let me touch them. That'll make it better. What did you just say? He asked pervert? to touch your eyes. Yeah, I'm going to touch your eyes. <laughs> like I'm Ro- a pervert. I'm, I'm Roman. I like to touch Jeff's eyes. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, hey, guys. Are oh, we going to do, go. do, do this or are we just going to jump right in? Okay. Well, so pretty soon we're going to talk about Batman number 50. But Maybe first. next. But first of all, <laughs> I got to get my rocks off by talking about Cosmic Ghost Rider. Huh. Oh, okay. Donny, cosmic rocks. Donnie Cates and Dylan Burnett. Sibilance. What you guys Famous. think about this? So, you guys were recording this on Tuesday. <laughs> we just chowed down a bunch of comic books after getting all the comic books. I read all these comics in an hour. Sorted them. An hour and ten minutes. Now we have them here for this conversation. We're, the order is totally messed up, but I'm going out of town, everybody. Oh. 
so we had to get this thing, this thing out early. It's going to be weird. Um, and tomorrow's a holiday. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe we shouldn't tell people about our timeline. It's a, since it's, they're not going to hear it for a week almost. Fuck them. Fuck them. Or Fuck em. maybe they'll hear it tomorrow because they'll just get posted early. Um, oh. Gosh, this book really uh, was pretty pretty bonkers and buck wild. I didn't know what the tone was going to be because this character was definitely a source of comedy in the Thanos series. Yep. But he also has a pretty dark past, and I wasn't sure if they were going to do a more serious book in his own book. Spoilers, they didn't. They didn't do a more serious book. So I didn't read the Thanos. Most of it was more serious, I thought. What? I didn't read any of that Thanos run. I cannot believe that you didn't read that. Now it just seems like an adorable point of pride. I mean, oh, it is. do you want me to make you a button that says, I didn't read Donny Cates' Thanos' <laughs> sure. run? Sure, I'll wear that. I know a button guy. I'll wear that. <laughs> oh, shit, I'm going to have to make me a button. Um, I didn't read it. I was a little bit worried about being able to track what was going on, but uh, I should have had faith in Donny Cates because he knows how to just kind of lead you through a story. I didn't I didn't need any extra backstory that I didn't already know. Um, and the, Dude. Do you know what I just realized? Because we have two number ones by Donnie Cates and then a one by Coates. Yeah. All from Marvel. That's one letter away from being the same last name. You should have seen me try to figure out how to Instagram tag them all. Oh. I'm sorry. That was so <laughs> rude of me, but I, I am sort of blown away by, by that. Uh, so this follows Punisher as Cosmic Ghost Rider in the afterlife in Valhalla. And... Uh, Odin offers him his motorcycle back and the the evil spirit, and he takes him up on it. And then he goes back in time to kill baby Thanos, which is awesome. So I can't remember what issue led into this. Was it the final issue of Thor? Was it that Gates of Valhalla sort of epilogue issue that, that did show, like, Odin showing up and saying, like, hey, come with me to the Punisher? Or was that the end of the Thanos run? I thought that was Thanos. Was that? I it can't had to be Thanos. Oh, it was the Thanos annual. That's what it was. He was narrating okay, yeah, yeah. it, and in yeah. the end, uh, uh, he shows up. And <clears throat> yeah. Proposes to him, and then I like that. Uh, what I really liked is that uh, Frank Castle was like, "No, I don't want to do that. Like, it stripped me of my sanity. I don't want to go back to that." And Odin yeah. was like, "Oh, you don't have a choice." And he just sort of pops the, the helmet on his <laughs> yeah, head and shoves I him out the door. Forgot to tell you. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that that adds like just the slight element of tragedy to this book that it needs. Yeah. Because I think he does need to be a sad character. If it had just been like, all right, fine, yeah. I'm going to put my fire head on and go have some adventures. No, I think the worst thing you can do for uh, Punisher is give him a choice. Yeah, and I do love the idea that he goes, again, spoilers, everyone. Spoiling, <clears throat> just spoiling books left and right. Um, he goes back to kill little baby Thanos and... He tries to shoot him, and I'm not sure if the gun doesn't work, and that's why he can't I kill think him. So. Um, but the baby like jumps out and just starts beating the shit out of him, like a, <laughs> like for some reason a baby version of Tannis would be able to just take you down like that. Um, but he <clears throat> takes him, he straps him up in chains on the final page, and the baby is just like they're going on a metal ass adventure through <laughs> the, the cosmos, you know, Punisher, Ghost Rider. And baby Thanos. In a, in a hellfire chain snugly. Yeah. Uh, that last page, I started giggling on the sidewalk eating a hamburger at Fiamma Burger. So you don't think that you might like the Thanos book? I probably would. Oh. Who's got time for that? I agree. I don't even have time to figure out how to stop my eyes from producing whatever they're producing. 
I'll, I'll probably go back and read Thanos. Also, like you guys pretty much gave me a breakdown of every single issue on the podcast. So yeah. I, I feel like I know the, the basic story. This felt super just kind of action movie bombastic, like, F it. We're well, going to do this. That's a perfect segue into Death of the Inhumans that we can't use uh, oh. because we're not done talking about our scores and feelings on this book. But I'll come back to that. If you, you wink mind. at me, you got it. And I don't I'll know how say to that wink, again. Yeah. Yeah. Roman, where do you? Where you, do you live? You don't know how to wink? Roman, where do you live? <laughs> <laughs> um, I can wink quite well. Oh, um, with a lot of eyes. Infinity yes. Gauntlet Thrown. Oh. <laughs> I, I really like this. It's a lot of fun. This art is so much fun. Little, little like, he's not quite an infant, is he? How old do you think he is here? Baby. But I do want to know Thanos? what you feel about this art versus the Thanos art. Oh, well, it's not as good as that art, but I, it's going for a different vibe, a different tone here. Um, what is, there's more, that one was darker, a darker art, a darker motif, just the, 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 the themes of the art reflected that, uh-huh. how dark and serious it was. Um, except for Ghost Rider himself, this one looks a little bit like um, Headlopper to me, like a, like a sketchy Headlopper. It's a little it's, more like that. Like I love yeah. every time that Frank in this becomes Ghost Rider, the art is always drawn so that he doesn't just change his Ghost. It looks like an exp- uh, his head explodes every time, yeah. and all of a sudden he's a <laughs> skull, sucks. and there's ire, there's fire shooting up and out. It's like, kind of like <laughs> it gives this impression that his his face is is like quickly suddenly ripped upwards and off and then he's the hellfire skull the moment that i realized that this was just gonna be a like a silly uh theme park ride was when he put his helmet on and i realized that he has to wear that helmet or his skull won't be on fire because there's no oxygen in space oh wow i didn't (laughs) realize that was why he does it i I made all of that up no that totally makes sense yeah Yeah, that is awesome because some of the variant covers he has it on somebody doesn't but I love this art, like little Thanos, when uh, Ghost Rider tries to penance stare on him, and there's this repeated panels of looking into Thanos's eyes, and then he realizes it's not going to work. And the kid speaks, and the look on his face is just totally like a Calvin and Hobbes look on his face. It's a cartoon look, and he's yeah. so shocked. Yeah. And then the puncher punches him. <laughs> so is this a mini series? Does anyone know? I I don't I know. Assumed? I feel like it's going to be five or six five, issues. Probably, yeah. I would read it as an ongoing. I I really liked the tone of this book and I really liked I just really liked all of it. I'm I'm a pretty big Donnie Cates fan, a Cates head. The opening 3 pages where it's just like it's a it's a recap but it's just soldier with a picture of him in Vietnam. Dead family with a picture of his dead family. War on terror. I think that that guns. worked really really yeah. well. Yeah. That was really good and and we read all that but I could imagine somebody looking at this going Wow, I want to read this story. Yeah, yeah. Man, what the hell? Who's this hitting him with the hammer? Yeah, I love that. Like, yeah, Odin was basically <clears> like, "Well, I feel guilty because the the hammer that my son was supposed to keep is what killed you." So, I um, I give this one an eight, eight point five. No, I give this one an eight point five. Nice. This is really good. I want to call myself a Kate's head from now on. Oh, oh no, my mind's eye is actually in fact the Kate's gate. Ooh. Journey with me into mine mind's eye through the Kate's gate. Gladly. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Uh, I'm going to call myself a child of Donnie. Oh, wow. A little, a little more cultish. I really like Somehow it, more cultish yeah. than your, your mind's yeah. eye. Uh, I'm going to give this, gosh, either a seven and a half or an eight mm-hmm. and a half. Mm. I, oh, oh. 
I don't know. What about the piece in the middle there? I'm going to give it an eight. Yeah. Solid eight. It's just fun. It, this is a comic book made out of comic books. I want to tattoo a burrito on your chest, and I want it to say in big bold letters, The Ocho. The Ocho. Yeah. <laughs> just because you've been saying The Ocho this whole podcast, and for some reason it's always made me think of a burrito. <laughs> uh, Roman. Um, I'll, I'll give it a, you know, I'm going to go simple, and I'm just going to be a Donnie Disciple. Oh, we've got some great <laughs> phrasage in here. <laughs> he should listen to this so he can hear these phrases, see how devoted we are. Well, what he's going to, he's going to get some devotion in this next um, issue. Is it Batman I'm number 50? At, I'm winking at you, Jacob. I forgot everything I that said dope, for that transition. That dope-ass segue. I've it's uh, such a bombastic uh, action adventure. Oh, yeah. I think that was the segue. And Batman 50. Oh, wait, no. This is Inhumans number oh, one. Oh, sorry, no. We'll do Batman 50 next, promise. Okay. Um, Death of the Inhumans <laughs> number one by Donnie Cates and Ariel Olivetti. Dude, Donnie Cates? Donnie Cates. Hey, he step with me I... just beyond the Cates gate into mine mime's eye. <laughs> um, you have a mime in your eye? Mime's eye. Uh, okay. Django, I don't think you liked this book very much. I really like the Judge I did on the not cover. like this book. That surprises me. Um, you know why? Why? It's kind of the same reason I like Cosmic Ghost Rider. It's a comic book made out of comic and books. And that's what I fucking mean about this guy. Yeah. In the in the be just in my mind's eye, <laughs> just beyond the Kate's Gate, it is just a sort of celebratory uh, aura, a celebratory light spectacle of the bombastic nature of storytelling that the that the Kate's Meister um, employs. It's so it's so big and dumb always. I, yeah, I really like this, Django. I'm glad to hear that you at least didn't didn't hate it. No, I didn't hate it. He's he's got a real easy style that just pulls you through even even though this particular book had way more words than I really wanted to read. And I feel like that's maybe something that happens with Black Bolt comics. And I don't know. I you don't gotta know get if that's a lot true, of narration because there's Black no Bolt. dialogue. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I like the the way that they translated him. And I liked uh I like the art a lot. Like halfway through, I flipped back to see who was drawing it. And I was surprised that it's Ariel Olivetti because they like Ariel usually has a very computer painterly style. I couldn't picture yeah. their art. So this one really, what I the reason I thought you wouldn't be super into it is because it deals a lot with <clears throat> the Cree and therefore like the Inhuman and therefore Cree mythos and like the prophecy that one of the you know things that they tinkered with is going to come back. And there's, you know, several houses, families that are bound, uh, the wives. Um, the plot is not for me. The, yeah. The story is, though. But I, what I love sense. about him is that this concept of, like, join or die, like, it, so somebody's killing all of these Cree and sending this message to Black Bolt or the remaining Cree and Inhumans, join or die. It's written all over the corpses. And... Uh, at one point, there's this awesome moment where the four wives, four of the five wives of Black Bolt, decide to um, give in to that plea, join or die, uh, to the Kree. And gosh, the person who shows up and murders them says something to the effect of uh, that wasn't that that message wasn't a, a message for four queens; it was for one king. And the Kree Empire has no need for cowards. 
Yeah. And that was a very Donny Cates thing to me. <clears throat> that sort of like boiled down what I love so much about him, which is he does these like sort of contrived but really cool reframes all the time. And that was like each Thanos issue ended in that way to me, yeah. or this thing had that, or like the there there are a few things that I really enjoyed. The Medusa's hair stroking Black Bolt's cheek. I thought that was really cool. That seems to me to like show that the dude knows and has read Inhumans comics in the yeah. past. Yeah, yeah, and I like the fact that <clears throat> they're, I don't know when it happened because I didn't read the previous Inhuman series, but they're back together in love because, you know, she was like fooling around with Johnny Storm while Black Bolt was off in that prison with Crusher Creel and all that. I love that too with the, and then the next panel, how he's, I just love her dialogue here, how she's telling him you're a good man and everything, but Right now, the people need their king. They don't need the good man. And as she draws her hair away, <clears throat> he looks determined, and he's he's the king. Yeah, yeah. In a set too. I also really like the sequences with Maximus. Those, yeah. Like when he uh, when he first shows up and he's got that giant gun, and it's just kind of this goofy. I'm going to shoot you with a huge gun, and then later on when he gets zapped with the bad guys tiny little laser that comes out of his mouth. That was rad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like that, how he's this, like, anti-Black Bolt, but, and he's still got this weird vocal power, mm -hmm. except he can still speak and everything, and he can somehow split it in two. I mean, how do you aim your mouth in two different directions? Yeah, I mean, I'll show know, you. I don't know how, I but... forked tongue. <laughs> that's that thing, which he just says, like, when you can wield it with precision, like a scalpel, and I love that idea of, like... You know, Black Bolt's ability is this sort of brute force example of that, but they're, you know, it's been refined. Everything about the Inhumans is, has been made better by this crazy ass assassin with an amazing character design. Yeah. I love the fact, well, I love how the artist draws Lockjaw being so huge, but the only Inhuman that hurts this new villain in here is Lockjaw because he pops up behind him and grabs him in his jaws and I, he actually makes him scream. <laughs> I actually have, a, have an issue with that character design. Oh? He looks just like that Judge Dredd Batman guy that we just had in Metal. Yeah, I just love that he's the anti-Black Bolt. Like he's just, it's red. It's the same like yeah. lightning bolts. It's. I was really surprised. I shouldn't have been since it's Donny Cates, Cates, but I was really surprised how much I liked this issue. I really liked this issue, and they did some shocking. I mean, they Triton got blowed up. Apparently, he's dead. It um, looks like they killed the dog. Lockjaw. Yeah, yeah, huge spoiler. They kill Lockjaw and Maximus the Mad, and you know who cares about Maximus the Mad? But Lockjaw, I know. And I was like, they can't do that. And I was like, this is called Death of the Inhumans. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, he'll be back somehow. You can't yeah. kill Lockjaw permanently. <sighs> Medusa's hurt. I mean, my God. Yeah, I guess I was. This is the most I've ever liked an Inhumans book. I like Crystal's new hairstyle. Mm -hmm. What I like about Donny Cates <laughs> is it seems like he has read the shit out of all Marvel comics, which he said that he has, but it just seems like he oh, yeah. seems to be a real fan of this stuff. He can write yeah. pretty much any corner of it, Ooh. and he knows and can do new stuff. Uh, I would give this a seven and a half. If I cared a little bit more about the Inhumans and was more into this universe, it would probably get an eight and a half or a nine out of me. Uh, I'm it's a real a, good comic. I'm going to give it an eight. Not quite as high as Cosmic Ghost Rider, and I'm like I really like Black Bolt as a character, but I'm not hugely invested in the Inhuman stuff. He he tied it like he just did a great job of getting right to the heart of the really, you know, stuff that I really like with the Inhumans and stuff yeah. that like Hickman did. This is the only other time I've seen somebody kind of boil down the entire mythos and essence of the Inhumans in like a single issue, yeah. and Hickman did it the other time. 
it's it's a really hard sell to get people behind the idea that Black Bolt has five wives, like three of them are horses, one's a crab, and one's Medusa, you know? Um, but, like, if you can make that make sense that quickly, then you're doing yeah. a great job. And it's I, all politics. I mean, he didn't want five wives. No. <laughs> I didn't realize they were his wives. Maybe I was not reading very closely. His, his, so they're all different races from which the Kree has been experimenting with, like, their DNA and, and building yeah. things. And so by him marrying them, and I'm not sure when he did, but I feel like it was in the Hickman run. I think it was. That was when that inter- was introduced. Yeah, yeah, like him marrying all five of them basically united all of the Inhumans and like all of the other experimental races that the Kree created. So okay. it actually presents uh, an opposition to the Kree that <clears throat> right. is significant. Yeah. Huh. Good, good. Because I'm going to give this a nine and a half. Oh, oh yeah! <laughs> Phantom Dawn. I loved it. I love this Judge Judge Doom cover and Judge Death, I mean. Judge Doom. <laughs> Similar that, though, that metal. That, that was a that cartoon movie. Um, it's 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 very Kirby esque. I mean, just the wild sci fi feel of it. I mean, that that final, not actually not final page was that final page, that final two page spread, that horrible thing that happens. I was like, man, if Kirby could have gotten away with it, this is something he would have drawn. If they let him have two page spreads. No, I I totally I agree. That's the thing that I basically I one of the things I really like about him is in all of his work Donny Cates when he's working for Marvel like he he approaches things almost like a kid mm. who is like I could do this and he doesn't at all seem encumbered by the notion of like can I do that <laughs> right. you know he's just like I'm doing it <laughs> and that's really really cool to get two new new number ones by um, a, a creator who has only really come to the scene this heavily in the last year and have them be this good is awesome. Yeah, I mean, when I, yeah, you saying that makes me think, yeah, you know, in the old days, writer Donny Cates somebody would come to Marvel and say, what if Frank Castle became the Ghost Rider, and then he became cosmically powered, and then he became uh, Thanos, goes insane, and then what if he becomes Herald Galactus, and they would have been like, what? That's stupid. <laughs> Get the hell out of here, kid. <laughs> but now... Um, so can we talk about Batman number 50 next? No, we got to talk about a couple pages in the middle of things at a time. So oh, okay. this Man of Steel, <laughs> number six of six by Brian Bendis and um, Faybook. Jason Faybook? Yeah, uh, with Alex Sinclair on colors. This was the I wish f- Donny Cates had contributed to this. <laughs> the issue that was actually fully drawn by Faybook, who did all of the small interlude pages and the other issues. What did you guys think of this? I thought it was good. I thought it was awesome. This so this kind of brought back the family dynamic that I really liked from the last round mm-hmm. of Superman in Rebirth. And I've kind of been missing that, I guess. To me, like this proved that those this six issue thing was not a story. This is like the prologue of a book. Yeah. It, this yeah. isn't I was looking at it to be like, well, why is this a separate title? What is this? And this is the thing to set the wheels in motion for his two series that are coming out. But it, it is just a, a, a setup piece. And I, he really did play the long game with. It. I think he spent several issues like getting into a rhythm and getting into a flow. But I love the character arcs that he's setting up here. I love um, Cal. I call him by his first name always, Roman. Um, I love <laughs> Cal and Jor Jor. 
Cal and Jor. <laughs> um, I love their relationship. I love like the resentment, the really solid and good resentment that Superman has for his dad in this. Um, but for, he backs down. Yeah, he does for being a good dad. But I love yeah. he shoots that fucking glare at him. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I love Lois leaving in that character arc. I love this idea of dejected Clark, like sitting alone in his house, like. It was like you're it was it felt like being broken up with but not being broken up with hmm. yeah yeah it it hit me hard i like the recurring joke of uh people having secrets in their drawers yeah <laughs> so like superboy says hey if damien comes by just tell him not to look in my third drawer actually i gotta go get something out of my bedroom <laughs> he burns it <laughs> and, and you then, can hear a burning sound effect in yeah. the bed <laughs> wait is there a burning sound effect <clears throat> yeah. yeah and then later lois oh i didn't catch that lois tells clark to make sure that uh Perry doesn't look in her bottom drawer yeah. of her desk. <laughs> and again, like I don't really care about the Rogelzar stuff, but this basically wraps that up. There, you know, Superman keeps fighting with him while he's flashing back to Lois and John leaving, and then uh, Kara, Supergirl, shows up and snaps Rogelzar into the Phantom Zone. Yeah, fuck you, Phantom Zone. Yeah, yeah, and that and that was great too. <clears throat> Especially because Superman mentions that, yeah, a little bit of ego there. He's like, why, did, I, why didn't I do that? I liked that so much, too. Like, I love Superman admitting. Yeah. I, he acknowledges it, and then he puts it aside. Yeah. It's not important, but he's still like, ah, dang. And he's like, it's and so I know human. I didn't do that because I don't want to use the Phantom Zone all the time. <laughs> what I loved, when I got to the page where they say for Kandor, and you mm. realize you're this memorial for all the people in Kandor, I had sort of complained in my head that they didn't, mourn the loss of those people when it happened in like issue two mm. and this showed that they just didn't have time so when they finally had time to and I like I stopped and I stared at Superman and Supergirl and I wrote down in my journal like damn those costumes are beautiful like they yeah. like it takes you don't always realize it for me but that those costumes are so cool and they're so iconic and this issue just it really did it made me super excited to read a Superman book. This is the first book I read this week. Mm. I I mean, we, we read the wedding issue a couple of days ago, but um, this is the one I was just the most excited to like see the end of. And like, that is weird to me because I wouldn't, like I wouldn't have said six hours ago, like, yeah, Man of Steel is my favorite thing coming out. And I'm not saying it now, but. It was good. It just, it's easy to get <clears throat> into. It's quick. It's gratifying. It's beautiful. I really like Jason Fabic's art. Um, and he hasn't really done a whole yeah. lot since. I just really like the Side art War. in all six issues of these because because every issue there's been moments like that just with the two of them their costumes and thinking oh it's so much fun. My favorite art was the issue before this and then this one art wise. Yeah, I yeah. wish, and this goes against what Jeff said earlier. I yeah. wish that these had just been part of the regular series. This is not a six issue series. Yeah, this, well, this leaves too many cliffhangers and what's going to happen next, and it would have been just as good coming out as the two as the two series in my mind. I thought the reason they did this and the reason they titled this is because they were they were DC was saying, oh, well, this is just like John Burns' Man of Steel. This sets up the new the new uh, paradigm paradigm. Thank you for Superman books from now on. <laughs> and that is, I thought that's why they did it. Obviously. What I meant. Yeah, obviously, yeah. Yeah, I know. I was just reiterating. Yeah, that is clearly the right thing. Well, what do you give it? Um, I give, oh gosh, the first, 
it really clicked for me last issue. These last two, I think, were fantastic. I give this issue, um, I give this one a nine, and I give the overall thing a seven point five. But it made me really excited for the run. Uh, I'm gonna give this one. I'm gonna give this one a seven and a half. I'm gonna give the series a six. Uh, it. I I read most of it. I, I read almost every issue for a different reason, and none of it was because I was excited to see what happened <laughs> next, which is a little bit disappointing. Um, it's it's a pretty good Superman story, though. You oh, know, yeah. so it's there. You go, Dario Go, Dario Go, Roman. Dario Go. I'll give this issue an eight. The overall series, I'll give a probably a uh, probably a seven. Um, similar reasons. I mean, I can't believe it's. It, I love all the human moments, and it would be so hard for for Cal for Clark to do this because I was like, "You're letting your wife and kid go off with your father." I, I'm still not convinced this is really Jor-El. You Me know, you can't trust him, and he's he's an ass. Jeez, but him doing that in this page of him sitting in John's room holding one of his toys, I'm still annoyed because I'm like, "How how did he kill the Kandorians?" Yeah, I, I don't when know the, that when that the is bottle real burst, either. they should all have superpowers. They should have been like thousands of little superpower supermen like bashing into Rogelzar, and yeah. we never saw any bodies. Maybe he just peed in the jar till it filled up. Yeah, and they're Drown all. Oh, what a terrible way to die! Drowned in alien. Jago has it. thought about destroying Kandor <laughs> yeah. that way before. I got that valve, <laughs> <laughs> but it is a beautiful memorial, and this was gorgeous here. I I gotta say that the. the the saddest part in this for me was when Superman's like, yeah, uh, the communicator yeah. broke in the Fortress of Solitude, and I can't get a hold of, Clo- of Lois and John and my dad. And That was so real. Yeah. They, like, I don't know where they are. They think I can get a hold of them. They, they're going to think I don't care about yeah, them. They just think I'm not calling, and, and Supergirl says, well, you know, if I see them, and he's like, I don't know where that – they're somewhere in the galaxy. Who knows where? You'll, mm-hmm. You could fly around for years and never see them. Who knows what weird prison my fake dad has put them in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so another number. Number. Batman 50? Uh, oh, no. Number, we could do Batman 50 Cates? right now unless you guys had something you wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about Captain America. Oh, by Donny Cates, right? Yeah, Captain Close. America cool. by Ta-Nehisi Coates. By Danny Coates. Ta-Nehisi Coates? With Lionel Francis U. Coates on art. I read a lot of Marvel comics this week, guys. Me too. And this one was good too. It somebody else should talk about it though, because I don't know enough about the Marvel universe. The Roman is state the, of the one Marvel since universe. I didn't read this. Is this a damage too? Um, I got to talk about Captain America number one. Um, I gotta. <laughs> <laughs> I have to talk about this book. <laughs> this was a pretty cool first issue. It opens up with uh, in Russia where people are. Um, there's a couple characters. There's Hydra guys running around. They're still on the loose despite the end of whatever that big Secret process. War. Secret Was it Secret War? Secret Empire? Secret Empire. Secret Empire, yeah. Um, the end of that, everybody thinks Hydra is down and out. No, they're still doing stuff. They're up to stuff in Russia. Um, this woman that shows up, I forget. I already forgot who she was. Oh, somebody named, oh, Celine shows up, and she's a villain that's been around before. So launches into that. They're in Russia. They just they kill a bunch of Hydra agents and free the Russian lady. Then we get back into a main battle somewhere in America with the the multiple nukes. Super well, 
toned down super soldiers that are all based on the character Nuke from Daredevil in the 80s. Okay, so there hasn't always been a bunch of nukes. Not always, but these were they, it was these guys were introduced a couple years ago somewhere. Okay. As part of a program and there's just, you know, there's just their cannon fodder, there's different right. ones. So I don't know if it was in Captain America or if it was in another title. It could have been Captain America like at the end of Remender's run or right at the beginning of the next one, or they also mm. did it in like Weapon X or Weapon H. There was a mm-hmm. bunch of new right. folks recently. Right, because yeah, it was an outgrowth of that program. I like how I, I never really thought about this before, but in Captain America, a lot of the supporting characters are just kind of government suits, you know? Like he's working a lot with S.H.I.E.L.D. and with people wearing suits who are coming up and saying, hey, the president wants you to do this, the president wants you to do that. And it seems like it would be super bureaucratic to read that, but it doesn't uh, It doesn't really get in the way in this book. Yeah, it doesn't. I mean, it's there, as it always should be, but, you know, it points out the – some of the big points about Captain America, he's he's – He's a soldier. He's loyal to the to the dream behind the flag. It's not any certain administration or anything. Bucky's still around, kind of doing the dirty work that Cap is a symbol can't quite do. Yeah, and he makes a point. His narration here makes a point that you know Bucky, after years of being mind controlled by the Russians and being an assassin, that Bucky's learned to accept some of the stuff you have to do in war. Where Cap's still, even after all these years and being in World War II, is is like, yeah, I, I God is gets me every time. I can't... It's hard for me to get over, and Bucky's just like, do the job. Um, do you guys think we're going to get Lionel Francis U. Art for the entire arc? He's, like, really <clears throat> good at getting a book out. Yeah? yeah. And, and he's fast? Yeah. He's, fast he, he He gets monthly books out, I feel like. Good. Because I really enjoyed the art in this. Yeah, I liked it more. And I was, I was iffy, because... I like you, but I didn't. I can't picture oh, him doing. I like you too. <laughs> I couldn't picture him doing you a Captain America book. <laughs> but I, I don't know if his arts, if there's anything different about it, or if he just surprised me. Uh, I would give this a seven and a half. I think it's a. I think it's a solid comic. Yeah, yeah, seven and a half for sure. So I, I mean, we all know that. Uh, this is a very sexy week for comics with that Batman and Catwoman wedding. Uh, I think we should take a minute and talk about the sexiest comic that came out this week. Yeah, I agree. We should absolutely talk about the sexiest comic that came out this week. New Lieutenants of Metal. New <laughs> Lieutenants of Pig Sex. Unnatural. Unnaturalist of what that is. Number one by Mirka Andolfo. Uh, doing the story and the art. This is from Image. It's uh, you've probably seen ads for it if you if you have seen a drawing of a very very sexy voluptuous pig lady on a comic book cover lately that was her and uh, this comic was really good I I didn't expect to I didn't expect to like it as much as I did it's it follows this uh, girl in I guess I guess you would say it's a near future kind of storyline where all these different animal Humanoid animal races are not allowed to procreate or even date. And so the main character is kind of a, a pig girl. She is working with uh, like an alligator guy and a goat guy. And her she best lives with a mouse guy. She lives with girl. a mouse girl. And uh, 
I don't know, like it, it just, it felt lonely and, and funny and the art is great. The art is really great. Yeah, it's just like a, a, a world where everyone is forced to be sexually repressed. You can't be with people of the same gender and you can't be with people of a different race. Um, and and beyond that, when you turn 25, you are expected by the government to be in a relationship that they deem acceptable. Um, so it's just a really... So she keeps having these dreams of fantasizing about this male fox character who's super buff and hot and she's super sexy. And, and those dreams are out. Yeah. Well, Molly's a wolf. Well, yeah, fox, wolf, I don't know, canine well, thing. foxes are innocuous, kind of, and wolves are, there's that whole thing about wolves being predators and predatory and strong, like all the wolves in the Warner Brother cartoons are always these lascivious. I cannot stress how casually and uh, just sort of buckshotting a wall I use the word wolves or most of the words that I'm talking about. But yeah, a dog-like <laughs> thing. I want to hear more well, about think, well, Roman's sexual obsession with wolves. Well, no, I think it's very important that he's a wolf because wolves are... Commanding, yeah, everything I just said. Predatory. They're yeah. lascivious. They're not piggy. Not piggy. Not piggy. That's that's the most important part. Is that she's having very sexy dreams about the wrong species. Right. Yeah, because they're talking yeah. here about hybrids, and they're even given the citizenry here the the lines that you know hybrids don't happen in nature, which you know, of course is a lie, but. And that's how we got coyotes. That's, that's how we got pig wolves. You know a fuck lot about dog subspecies. <laughs> My dad worked for animal control. This is how we got coyotes. I grew up on a farm. <laughs> Look at this. We all know this is how we got coyotes down by the creek. <laughs> While I was reading this, I was struck by how good the language was. I think somebody else translated this because it was originally an Italian comic yeah. in like 2016 and uh, we saw her at the Image Expo this year and she doesn't have a very firm um, grasp on speaking English. Uh, you can tell that she probably wrote the write-up at the end uh, without a whole lot of editing and it's just got a very different, uh, like like more more of a not English speaking, God, I don't know. I'm falling apart here, So what Jeff. I think is, like, really cool about this book is I think everyone can identify in some way with having an aspect of themselves that is, like, maybe unnatural by strict societal terms. And this addresses that in a way that isn't super specific. Like, it's vague and therefore can appeal in a lot of different ways. Like, it's not using, you know, white humans to talk about homosexuality or it's not talking about you know a bunch of humans talking about race like the fact that we're talking about interspecies intergender romances allows the whole thing to be a little bit less specifically what it's talking about and and to me it felt a little bit more uh, of a conversation about just feeling slightly off from the mainstream. And I think that they, she did it in a way that wasn't like beating you over the head with like diversity and equality, which is super, super important. But this was to me a really interesting way of like making a queer book in the, the sort of usage of the, the, the term queer as it is now, which is just sort of 
anything not strictly heterosexual, not heteronormative. And everything about this is non-heteronormative, so therefore it doesn't shine a light on a specific aspect of that. <laughs> and I think that that was what was so awesome to me about this, is I think that it can speak to everybody because it's both specific and really vague at the same time. Yeah. And beautiful. Um, so, yeah, it, it's really impressive to me. Yeah, and the fact that the, our main character, um, and I can't remember her name, but our main character... She has this dilemma where not only is she doesn't want to go along with what society's rules are here, but she doesn't really necessarily want to pick anybody. Right. Be yeah. with anybody. And she just wants it if anything happens with anybody, wants it she wants it to be her choice. And even her best friend, who apparently is gay, he wants her to, at least legally on paper, get together with his boyfriend and maybe even have a child so that the wall fly underneath the radar and in private, you know, they can, they can have their actual relationship, but he wants to do, and she doesn't want to do that either. Cause that's still not about her choice. Right. But she's conflicted cause she knows that I would really help them out. It would, it would, you know, I'd be helping my friends, keep things safe for them, but it's still not my choice. And I think what also is like really well done about this, this issue and sort of both of those speaking to both of those things is that, um, the relationship dynamic they're setting up is that she is fantasizing about a male wolf. It's a wolf, everybody. A male <laughs> wolf. And I think that a lot of the books coming out right now talking about that type of minority status would have would have addressed it by talking about a same-sex inclination. Yeah. And this way, they have that conversation while also having a totally different conversation. Mm -hmm. And like that is way more interesting to me because then it doesn't force me to say like, oh, am I that? Is this, how much do I identify with that? Like it's saying like, there are so much, so many ways that this othering can occur. Yeah. And, and we immediately think about it in today's society by like same sex things. But this is, this just shows that it's a way more multidimensional thing than that. And that is not easily done, I think. I think that this is no. a book that everybody, as I read this, I was like, oh, I think this would be a good book for everyone to read. I think this would be, this would make people better if everyone read this. Not children. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I like the, you guys, I like the term othering, that's a yeah. good term. You guys talking about this book made it sound like a book that I wouldn't want to read, but I still really liked it and I give it an eight. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know, you're right, all of those things are important. They're not things that I seek out specifically to read, and that's not why I read this book, but I really enjoyed those parts of it. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, really, really well done. Beautiful, compelling story. I'm in. Yeah. It's, I mean, uh, when talking about things like this, I can get kind of stressed out and anxious because I have a tendency to like over empathize or over identify with people. And the fact that this brought up such a personal or specific issue, um, and showing how so many things can have that aspect of it. Uh, I don't know, that that really blew me away. I haven't seen something um, so eloquently done in a long time. So while it was a little bit stressful at times, I, I give it uh, an 8.5. I think the art is gorgeous. I think the story is, is good. It's, it's good for people. It's going to be 12 issues long. That's awesome. I like that it's not six, yeah. but I like, like that it's not ongoing. I want this to be a really great 12-issue deluxe paperback to like sell to people. Yeah, I was surprised by this too because it wasn't – quite what I was expecting and and I didn't expect things to go there and, and where they're gonna go too I mean that's why I wasn't just harping on the wolf because to be technically correct but I think there's some symbolic danger in him being a wolf 
and that maybe will end up not being a danger, or maybe there will be something dangerous just about that. Oh! Oh, Justin Werewolf Boys. Oh, yeah, we need our Werewolf Boy. I'll give it a nine. Good book, And I'll give the series a ten. I like that distinction. (laughs) Um, Boys. Yeah, boys. Boys. B-O-I-S-E. Boys. 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 I think I think we should uh, put our suits on. Oh, and go to the wedding unless, we finally unless get there's on. anything else that we need to talk about before we we go to the wedding. Um, I don't have anything that I need to talk about. I think that there. because of the Tuesday nature of this, buckshots maybe could be a thing that we could skip. But I think before we go to the wedding, we should stop by the little taco shack known as the New Lieutenants of Metal. <laughs> I haven't ever eaten there. But I've heard y'all really like their biscuits and gravy. It's uh, written by Joe Casey and illustrated by Ulysses Farinas. Farinas? Farinas? Number one. New, another num- new number one for this week. This comic is stupid. In all the best ways. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Django was over here in the beanbag earlier, and I was doing, I was doing something. And he was just chuckling and said, you got to read this. And he read me part of it. I forget which part you read me. I read you the, the part where uh, the, the heavy metal superheroes have reformed in order to um, <laughs> go up against that, ra- that threat being rampaging, rampaging runaway monster trucks. And it's like giant transformer monster trucks held together by slime. It says they're sentient, they're gargantuan, they're pissed off. And then the monster truck says, this city is completely the wrong size for us, so let's tear it down and build a new one. <laughs> That's, uh, I, I read that in Roman's voice. <laughs> <laughs> this was so much fun. Jeez. Um, and I'm, I'm a sucker for, for two-page splash, splash pages. God, when I turned the page, got to this, the title of this story is Ride the Lightning. I got to that page, and I thought that was great. The Ride the Lightning pun is great. I love, like, cutaways. There's the overhead shot of it. Yeah, I didn't have time to finish this, but I really enjoyed the six pages I read. Oh, so much fun. There's all these great metal references. I mean, just their ship. You know, Google Judas Priest's album, uh, Screaming for Vengeance. Or don't. That's fine, too. Which I also dropped that name here, but this is the ship from the cover of Screaming Screaming for Vengeance. Oh, okay. The big metal eagle. I really like the the three page spread showing their name. It's new lieutenants, and then you got to turn the page to get of metal. <laughs> <laughs> and I love the lieutenants. Each one of them, well, like the lead dude, uh, the mighty Craig Krieg. I mean, it's Rob Halford from Judas Priest. Sure. And he and his speech is all references to Judas Priest albums and songs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the main guy is a werewolf, actually. Justin. Steppenwolf. Yeah, Steppenwolf. Yeah, Steppenwolf. Um, and there's references in his dialogue <clears throat> to that band. And then when uh, when the blue guy's uh, arm gets bit off and it goes down inside of the bad guy monster truck robot, he tells it with his mind, activate Microborg operative, and his, his chewed off arm becomes a little tiny robot. And it pushes a button and opens up a door in its crotch. <laughs> and it has uh, sticks of dynamite and two little balls hanging down. I read that part in my voice. Mm. There's all these heavy metal ribbons, deep, deep purples in here. We gotta get ready for a fucking wedding, you guys. Yeah, that's that's a few hours away. We're fine. New Lieutenant of Metal number one. I give it a seven and a half. If I was in a bad mood, I would really not like reading this. I was and in yet, a pretty Roman good mood still enjoyed I it. Loved it. Loved it. 
their lead guy, oh, Man of Warrior, who they're trying yep. to rescue based on the band Man of War. The XO Man of Warrior? <laughs> yeah, they're trying to rescue him. He's being held captive by a bunch of boy band villains that talk in all boy bandese. Oh, man. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'll I'll give this a nine. I was gonna say I feel like I'm getting about a Roman nine. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Might be a nine point five. How do you do decimals if in I, Roman if numerals? If I have to go back and like look up all the references <laughs> I didn't get, what? How do you do decimals in Roman numerals? Something loud and bombastic, like that's decibels. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Turn it to eleven, man. I don't think you can. No, I think that uh, no decimals and no number zero were big problems in Roman numerals. Oh, my God. Can we go to this wedding? Listen, I've been dragging my heels about getting there because I got a bad feeling about it. No. <laughs> they wouldn't. They wouldn't bait and switch. Marvel just did that. DC Spoiler doesn't look like warning. copycats. Yeah. Spoiler warning, Batman 50. And Catwoman number one, Batman 50 by Tom King and Mikhail Janin. Uh, Catwoman number one by Joel Jones and Laura Allred. I think we should just talk about these together as a whole thing. Sure. Oh, all right. Um, right? Like just the wedding. Sure, yeah. Though Catwoman, well. That was fucking great. That was, I mean, there's a whole different <coughs> thing, and I don't mean to totally stifle Catwoman's independence by not talking about that book as a separate thing, but it definitely feels like the second part of the wedding issue to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so spoiler alert, Batman and Catwoman don't get married. What about my cake? We're still going to eat your cake. No, we're still going to have its consolation cake. Mm. Yeah. And for the same reason of Colossus and Kitty, you know, the bride says, nope, sorry. Yeah, that was the crazy thing about that uh, Colossus and Kitty wedding is that Bane showed up and convinced Kitty to just not get married. <laughs> She's like, you know, Bane, you're right. <laughs> so I really liked, so, so I guess the, the story here is on the first page, Batman says, hey, why don't we just do it tonight? And she says, okay. And then from then on, it's a split story between Batman and Catwoman both kind of assembling their outfits and, and people to come to the wedding. And that's intercut with beautiful splash pages by well-known Batman artists who uh, and, and each of those pages has a letter that Batman's writing Catwoman and that Catwoman's writing Batman. And the the whole thing is just really well done Tom King Batman comic. Like what what did you think he was going to do a shitty comic for this? <laughs> Gosh, it's so there's so many different ways that I want to talk about this comic. I want to talk about the story that happened, but I also want to talk about how the issue was done. And Roman just had a chill, which he believes means somebody danced on his grave. Somebody stepped on my grave. <laughs> um, Dancing on his grave is different. Sorry, I, I promised him that after he dies, I would go and dance on his grave all the time so yep. that his chills would have been something that were actually warranted. Do you want me to piss on his grave? So that you're dancing in mud. We're gonna, well, have, to, we're gonna have to designate spot because I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna be in an urn. I'm gonna get cre cremated. <laughs> oh God! Foiled. This is so this is. I don't think foil <laughs> needs to be involved. So what happens in this issue? The big thing that happens is as they're assembling their team, like Jenga was saying, and Bruce, you know, in this incredibly touching scene, uh, mentions that he wants Alfred to be his only witness there instead of like Clark or Dick. That was so God, cute. So cute. <laughs> But what has happened is that Catwoman has broken into prison and extracted her friend from year one. Um, that Django, every time she comes up, Django mentions she's from year one. Holly. And uh, 
And what Holly has done is basically, through the conversation she's having with Catwoman, convinces Catwoman to decide that she's not going to marry Batman because marrying him could make him happy, and his greatest superpower is he is an engine that turns tragedy into determination and heroism. Wait, Holly convinced her of that? Holly yeah. convinces her in, like, two panels that she's got to not marry that? Batman. And I, that's I read, why... I read this on a computer screen, so I missed that Then part. when, at the end of the issue, we have Holly show back up in the prison that she's been in, and Bane is there... And we learn that everything in this entire Tom King run, even down to the button with Thomas Wayne in the back, every aspect of this, the War of Jokes and Riddles, uh, Gotham Girl, all of it is orchestrated by Bane as revenge to get Batman back. To break his damn heart. (laughs) The bat is broken. And that is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. so a couple of things that I really liked about this issue, um, they firmly put Porky's in the DC mm-hmm. universe, mm-hmm. right? So that you can't yeah. you can't argue with that anymore. Uh, they bring up Year One quite a bit, uh, even down to the the level where Selina is talking to Holly and saying, "Yeah." We knew it was Bruce Wayne, even though he had that big old fake scar. And I had to stop and like, why don't I get that dialogue? On my second time through, and I was like, and then I got. I channeled into my brain. I got into the corridors of year one. I was like, oh, right. He makes the scar on his face. He goes there. We see Catwoman. Like, he saves Holly from the pimp. I haven't read that book in, like, six years. She's Holly is the first person he saves when he comes back to Gotham after training. And I went back in time to seeing, you know, Mazzuccelli's art in this book. And, like, well done, Tom King, to, like... Make like vindicate Django. I was like, oh, like it's just like every oh, time he's brought up, like, oh, she's from year one, and then this time I was like, I actually like I remembered those Mazzuccelli panels of reading it. Like that is well done, Tom King. Uh, Tom and I teamed up on this. Actually. It's so like he didn't insult you with he just sort of like down to the scar. We remembered the scar, and yeah. that was the thing that triggered my brain. Like that's good writing. That's good um, writing. So I don't know if you guys remember, but when Batman and Catwoman were first getting together in this series, it was because Batman was chasing Catwoman who had taken the blame for Holly killing a whole bunch of people. Do you remember that? I don't remember that being the reason that they called, but now that you're saying it, it sounds it sounds right. So there's a, there's a lot more going on. Like, Catwoman took the blame for this girl that she used to live with, and... So they have a really tight bond. So for Bane to have gotten under Holly's skin enough to have Holly use her superpower of knowing Catwoman so well just because they're buddies to change her mind in a few words. I think that's that's a really interesting like psychological thing. And that, that made me think Tom King is a CIA agent, an ex-CIA agent who used kind of psychological warfare on people presumably, right? So that's that's what Sheriff of Baghdad is all about. Yeah. And I, I I just really like the idea that he's translated that to a story about Bane being that manipulative. Who's Batman in the background of that last page? Tom Thomas Wayne. Is it? And it's, would, it's talking about the button. <clears throat> why is he still here? Yeah. Well, I agree. I it, don't know. And is he or is this just as a symbolic gathering? Tom King wrote that first issue of the button. I mean, yeah. I don't I th- I th- 
I think that it was just meant to indicate every issue of every aspect of this. Yeah, the the booster skeets. gold that the one that was recreated oh, from that issue several that thing several issues ago. Holy moly! Like, all oh, of yeah. it, every to me that that panel, the final panel, was the perfect way. And I didn't get it to my second time through, but it was the yeah. perfect way of saying every single issue in this run has been about this moment. Yeah, and yeah, it's a bummer that they didn't get married. We all wanted that. But he said in an interview yesterday or today, like this, his whole run, like this is the halfway point of a hundred issue series mm-hmm. that is a, about oh. <clears throat> Batman and Catwoman's love. So I got, I am so excited for like twelve issues from now when they awkwardly see each other because they end up in the same place, and you have that moment where you're like, oh, you're seeing your ex girlfriend. You both still, you know, that you care about each other, but you're also standoff. Like I can't wait for the back half of all of this, and I can't wait for the triumphant return where it's not mentioned for 12 or 14 issues, but then they get together, and it's amazing, and they get back together near the end of his run, and they maybe, in fact, do get married, and they don't advertise it like this. Like, the whole thing, it's a bummer that it's not what it seems, but I don't I don't care about that. This is clearly what the story was supposed to be. Um, I read a bunch of, like, really mean stuff about Tom King a couple days ago, like, when the whole art, the whole thing leaked. And I, I tweeted him, and I was like, as, like, as a store owner... Like, all of the frustrations that I have right now are, like, none of them are on you, is what I said. Like, none of that falls on you. Uh, And that's how I feel. I think this is a great story. I think it's being told the right way. I, I, if we could not have marketing involved, that would be great. I think Mm -hmm. 15 years ago, this story would have come out, and it would have blown everyone's mind, and this issue would actually be worth money because the people weren't cashing in on it, like fans would be. And, And just to be able to... Give you a story that gives people such a visceral reaction when it doesn't go the way they thought it was going to go shows me that you're writing really, really well. Like, we are so invested in these characters that we actually wanted Batman and Catwoman to get married, and when they don't, there's almost a riot across comic land. And we kind of, like, everyone kind of knew it wasn't going to happen, but still hoped it was. Like, that means you're doing a really nice job of writing, Tom King. Um. I, I I have almost no complaints about this book, except that if you read it digitally, you're not getting the whole thing. Yeah, you're, you you're missing out digitally with PDF stamps and do not share crazy logos Even, all over it. Like logos are not just the the juxtaposition of the panels. And I think you could probably say this for almost his whole series. If you're reading this and not getting the two page spreads as they were intended by the by the creators, you're missing out on a lot of the the beauty of this series. Although I think, yeah, yeah. I mean, d- digital digital comics, those people are good at putting those out, so they frame them for double page spreads when they're double page spreads. But these aren't double page. Yeah, spreads. that's true. That Batman Catwoman one, is, and you'd be looking at it almost like exactly half size um, as a double page spread. I give it a 9.5. I think it's like a darn near perfect comic. I would say that it is very complexly told. Like he was saying, it's uh, it's two different letters. It's it's things that are happening, and it's art splash page pinups. So I read it the first time just through. The second time I sort of reread it through. I really want to reread it again by, by just reading the letters in it because I think it was really hard for me to personally keep the flow of those letters Um it was hard for me to feel at any given point like they were actually a letter all the way through because it yeah. was so stilted. I got a little bit tired of how much we were talking about the eyes. I think that that metaphor got a little bit 
buried in the weeds just by how long it was going on and how it was kept being in, like cut up by different things in it. Um, What's your favorite? Uh, but like, it's amazing. I, I yeah. That's just those are. It's it's damn near a perfect comic. It's best one I've read in a long time. It's it's so good. These are the things that I don't feel bad about complaining about because everything else was so good. What's your, my favorite art pinup your, in there? Yeah, your, your favorite pinup. Roman, what's yours? Oh, man, what's mine? Um, now I have to go through and look at them all again. My favorite was Tony Daniels. That one's very good. That's, and, and it's the the Greg Capullo one's pretty good, too. But the Tony Daniels, I think. And I don't really consider myself a Tony Daniels fan, but every once in a while one of his drawings is colored in a way that just... Just nails it for me. Yeah, no, Tony Daniels, when colored by the right person, is yeah. unbelievably good. I love the headlight. I love the look on both of their faces. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, just their their mouths. Are He's perfect. one of my, my <laughs> their favorite smiles. Batman artists. Yeah, Lee Weeks is great, too. I love the fact there's little hearts in the, in the dust clouds from her motorcycle. <laughs> I really liked, it's not my favorite, but just in the context of the issue, I loved the Frank Miller one. Because it was so different from everything else. Oh, And right. it's just gross and <laughs> captures that still so well. Um, but my favorite ones, I, I don't think I could pick one, but the Lee Weeks one is really important to me. That's actually the wallpaper on my phone right now. And uh, I, I really like the Raphael Albuquerque one. Yeah. Uh, yeah Batman Upside Down and her... She's the only one kissing between the two of them, but she's also holding all these jewels. Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, the Mitch Garrett's one of them humping on the rooftops. For me, it's the Lee Weeks one, the Bermejo, is which nice. actually surprised me because I don't, I kind of don't like his Batman. His patchy outfit, battle armor looking. But I love the lighting in this, the angle. I love that it's the Michelle Pfeiffer Catwoman, um, and also, of course, I love the Garcia Lopez, Trish Mulville one, just because that's. I think that's the. Catwoman suit shoot outfit she was wearing the first time I ever read Catwoman as a kid, so I'm very nostalgic for. No wonder you like Catwoman so much. It's a yeah. hot outfit. <laughs> yeah, the boots, the. I would. High uh, high cut. I'd give this one uh, also a nine and a half. I think it's a. Did you give it a nine? I gave it a nine and a half. I thought I you gave it a nine right before that though. Did I? I don't, I don't think remember. so. I don't know. I'll, uh, hey, we'll fix this in we'll post. Give it a nine, nine and a half. <laughs> you know, somewhere damn in there. Per- Maybe you just said damn near perfect comic. It's a good all. goddamn book. Roman, what's your number? Well, you know, I gave, I think I gave pretty high scores to New Lieutenants of Metal and Unnatural. Um, I'm going to give this my 10 for the week. Boosh. Uh, my bat 10. So hot on the heels of Catwoman jumping off of a building, I thought maybe to her death to avoid the wedding. Turns out she. That's didn't what die. a bummer it is to marry Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Um, turns out she didn't die. She ran away to I think another country, and got mixed up in some shenanigans. And that. So Joel Jones wrote and drew this. So I haven't <clears> read her writing before. She wrote and drew Lady Killer. Did she write Lady Killer? Yeah, and it was great. Okay. I, yeah, I read both of those. Loved both of them. Yeah. I didn't realize she wrote that. Yeah. So then she's got chops, and this one, I don't feel like at any moment felt like she didn't have writing chops, so I was pretty surprised in that. And the art is, of course, gorgeous, because her art is so beautiful. Yeah, it just kind of follows Catwoman, I guess, sort of staying distracted from the decision that she made to leave Batman. She can't sleep, and she's just sort of gone somewhere else to totally remove herself. And uh, And she's a super badass. Of course, Running in heels and stuff. 
and we're introduced to um, Jesse Custer's mom. <laughs> uh, <laughs> at some point, the boy refers to his mother, and I'm like, wait, they're not fucking tying creature. And I was like, wait, no, that's actually probably her son. <laughs> um, but they they we are introduced to this like pretty woman who is on TV, and then she like over the, the mayor's wife. Yeah, the course of a page just like takes off her eyebrows and her teeth and out her hair, and is just this like grotesque, evil-looking person. She takes her motherfucking nose off. Yeah. yeah. Oh gosh, she's got no nose. Uh, and she's a total asshole, and obviously controls her husband, the mayor. Yeah. Like she's he he's like, hey, can I talk to you for ten minutes? She says, oh yeah, schedule that with my girl. Yeah. Like. We get a very sexy new Catwoman outfit. Yep. Her armpits are showing, boys. I don't know if you know about my armpits. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's the only difference, right? Is <laughs> yeah. It's a little bit more Michelle so, Pfeiffer. I'm, I'm planning oh, yeah, on... I guess it is, the big ring, yeah. I'm going to draw hair into those armpits for you, Jeff. That's the thing well, I've got, too. That's too I know. low. It's below her armpits. By the end, we discover that there are a whole bunch of Catwoman... Uh, Imposters wearing, I guess, copycats, right? Yeah, wearing copycats, if you will. They're wearing her old costume, and she's wearing her new costume, and she breaks into a room that's filled with them, which is which is cool. Yeah, I I mean, I love their face because their facial expressions range from shocked to belligerent to this one is just like worried. (laughs) Yeah, because she's standing the closest to the real Catwoman. Yeah. Um, I, I think the best part of this issue for me was the half a page. Or maybe full page in total they devoted to her getting a package from Alfred oh. that is her Catwoman ass- outfit, uh, and the card reads: "I took it upon myself to forward your belongings, as I am sure they will be missed, Pennyworth." And she, they spend one small panel <laughs> with her crying, then she throws the box, and the cat looks at her, and then she's sobbing for a minute. Uh, and I could have used like two full pages of her emotional reaction to that because that was what I wanted. Yeah, that was the best thing in the issue. I read that as this is how quickly she shoves it back down and gets in the suit. Like, that is is her full reaction. She's pissed, she's sad, and then then she puts it on and goes out. Like, sucks it up and... Yeah, you're right. Runs away from her so, problems some more. The brevity with which this scene was addressed is probably pretty accurate to the brevity with which she's allowing herself to process those emotions. I think that's how this this iteration of Catwoman would do it. Yeah, you're right. I wonder if Joel Jones and Tom King are talking. I would wonder the same thing as I was reading this. Because it would so. it would be a shame if they weren't. I yeah. bet that they are. I loved the as she was running away, the big just half page, well, I guess quarter page shot of her maybe slipping off of the escalator like yeah. as she's running yeah. towards it. Because she's so tired. She's not very good at what she's doing right Yeah, now. but she's also, yeah, she's moving so quickly. It's just like parkour. It's just like, whoa, I don't know if this is intentional or not intentional. Yeah, yeah. that was good. And the shot of her doing a somersault over the dude into, uh, into a subway car. And the way that that caused me to like stop and picture like okay I'm running there is that faster and I like picture myself sort of diving like yeah that would do and like her her leg is like about to close in it and you're just like all of that is perfect Joelle Jones is an incredible artist and a really great writer yeah I, this was totally engrossing to me um, and not uh, other Catwoman books have always done that so this the, the way that she was able to make it feel related to the Tom King run and and not at all at the same time I would give this book uh, 
eight, solid eight. Yeah. Yeah. Did you guys notice on this Archer variant, her shadow is a bat that's the ears oh, of her. Oh, man. I didn't until just now. Huh. That's well done. Wow. Cool. Good one, Art Germ. Stephen Lau. <laughs> Steve. Art Germ. Is that his real name? Yeah. Or Stanley Lau. Stan. You're not allowed to be named Stanley in this business. I agree. That's why I changed it. Stanley Yelnats. It always comes back to holes with you. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't understand what was happening in this one panel in the beginning when the two, are they both cops? I don't know. This one panel... After this guy gets shot, after Catwoman sh shoots him, what is this dude doing? Is he suplexing the guy that just got shot? I mean, what's happening here? His arm is between his leg. What's happening? I had a hard time tracking the first like two pages. It took me about it took me that yeah. three pages to get into the story. Um, I didn't know who that mayor's wife was. I didn't really know. It was it was kind of all over the place, almost like that Detective Comics issue last week. It right. It just. There was a, the narration and two of the image series were all unrelated, and it made it hard to sort of coalesce. Yeah. I still don't know who this... Because there's two cops here, and then I don't know who this guy in the suit is. Yeah, I still don't know what happened there. Oh, she, I so think she shoots him. The other cop, is, or the uh, the guy in the suit is another cop, and he's behind the guy that gets shot. And I think it's so just there's three of, cops up there. Because uh, in the second panel on the first page, there's two cops, but they're both in uniform. And you guys probably realize, but I'm only just realizing that that's not... Catwoman. Right. 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 She doesn't kill. So the, the purpose of that scene is to show that cops are battling with imposter Catwoman that are led by that female lady who was giving the interview at the time. Okay. So that yeah. all fits together. Yeah, and I was now. just confused what the heck yeah. the guy in the suit is trying to do to the other guy. Yeah, I think it's just I think it's just kind of a clumsy drawing of that particular action. Well, hearing you guys talk about it makes me like it more than I initially did. Um, There's no Holly in it, which is a bummer. I don't like yeah, Holly. Yeah, she's back in prison. I was surprised that Selena dumped her off in the prison again. She had to get her back. Yeah, I guess. Man, Batman would have been Oh, bad. in Batman, did you guys notice the scene where they're escaping from the tunnels? And she's like, yeah, that's the problem with uh, escaping from Arkham. Like, they're, they're fighting Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Yeah. She's like, no matter what route you take, there's always a crowd. Yeah. And it's like... People are always escaping yeah. from Arkham. <laughs> I wanted to bring it back to Batman just a second ago as well, um, which is like they so perfectly, as like on my first time through that, it's my stomach so perfectly progressively turned reading her letters. Yeah. It's so like progressively, I, at one point I was just sort of like, oh, I don't necessarily like her wording there. Or at least she's like, you're a child. And I was just like, whoa. I mean, yeah, maybe. I don't know. That's an intense way of wording this on a wedding. Like, the way that you slowly realize that she's not going to show up and the way that you slowly realize that it's because of Holly and the mounting amount, like, the um, the mounting sense of betrayal towards this person, but also the mount, like, that sense that, like, I I've had friends of my girlfriends not like me before right and, and and i could feel that and it, the way that that letter started off positive and became something else was really well done there wasn't a single moment where it happened but you progressively felt what was going on right and i felt ooky before i had any reason to believe she was not going to show up and it was yeah. because her her tone changed halfway through and that is like really great writing yeah and especially because 
and correct me if I'm wrong, I've only read Batman once, and that was on the computer, so I'm excited to read it a couple more times in the comic form. But Batman's letter, too, I mean, does his, I mean, aren't there hints in his letter that he realizes that Catwoman may not show up? I mean, he doesn't seem surprised, I guess that surprised that she doesn't me, show up. To me, that's where the, the problem with the eye metaphor happened, is that I think that as a writer, and I, I don't know him, so this is do, me doing a disservice, but to me it felt a little bit like a writer who really understood this metaphor he was trying to use, but it was a metaphor that he really got it, and I think that it felt like he felt like it was accurately uh, this multidimensional metaphor that allowed you to see all this stuff, but at some point it just became like, wait, what are you saying about blue eyes? Why like, we had three pages right, of and, eyes. And it's not that it was bad to do that, but... I had a hard time tracking it at that point. I read it yeah. twice, and I sort of been like, okay, what are you saying about the blue? What are you saying about the streaks? What is it about a child's blue eyes and an adult's blue eyes that are different? Like I, And he was also talking about eyes, and I don't know yeah. why he was. So maybe his tone was shifting, because I was focusing right. more on the woman's one. Because, um, yeah, I was focusing more on that, because I thought Kevin was saying that Bruce's eyes still had this purity of a child, not only the the damaged child, but a purity of a child that you wouldn't think somebody that had been through all his traumas and that was now Batman would still have in his eyes, but she saw it. And she talks about seeing his eyes, but then like a page or two later she says, and I didn't see those eyes. And it's like, are you talking about when you first met? But you're saying when you first met you did see those eyes. Why are you saying right. right now again that you didn't see those eyes? Well, because like, when they first met, he wasn't wearing a Batman costume. Is that it? I think so. Don't they have different versions of how they both they first? They do, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. they both remember the first meeting differently. But she remembers or different it meetings. in year one. Is that what it is? She is remembering the year one moment? I don't know if she does because she's talking about being on a boat and he's talking about her stealing pearls. Yeah. It, it's all... Yeah, he believes the boat thing and she believes the street thing. Which being Well, she the... believes the street thing when she's talking, but when they're kind of jousting with each other, it's... The boat and the pearls. Yeah. Right. I don't know. I I, I don't know. I don't remember. Um. <clears throat> yeah. It, it's. It's just interesting. Uh. I I think that's my only complaint is that it that metaphor way down. But I think that when I read this issue one or two more times, I think that it'll. We're recording this on Tuesday. We got these books today. We. I think that this will gestate and become a more uh, clear idea by the end. Well, now we got to read. The, the other 49 issues in the annual. <laughs> well, what do you give Catwoman, Romy? Oh, uh, I'll give it a... I'll give it a seven. I wasn't blown away by it, but I like the things you guys have been saying, and I see that. I'm not... I actually didn't like it as much as I liked um, Jones's... Um, what was you said it earlier? Lady Killer. Lady Killer. I liked the Lady Killer better than this. Mm-hmm. Like the art, e- itself. even the art, yeah. the art, and even the story. I mean, this I was I kind of felt like I was kind of muddled visually. I was having a hard time tracking it. It it doesn't seem. Uh, I think that like the writing and the drawing. Well, I guess she she apparently did that in Lady Killer as well. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, I feel like the Lady Killer art she put a little bit more time into. I think it well, came it was out. her first big thing, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I, I I would say I like Lady Killer more than this first issue, but also I'll wait I'll wait to say that for sure until I've read the rest of this series because I really like what's been set up in this. Yeah, book. and I really did too. Uh, I give it uh, a solid eight. Yeah, but this Batman thing, <clears throat> Batman. <laughs> I, 
Batman the, number 50? The, the Kubert uh, Albuquerque page. Batman says at the end of that, in all, but, but you, swinging through Gotham in all your costumes, I, I could always see your eyes, and that is juxtaposed with her saying, but you, those blues, all those years on those rooftops, I never saw your eyes. I don't get what she's... She's saying she saw him, and she's saying she didn't see him. No, he's saying... Right, but she's saying, but you, those blues... Her eyes are green. Oh, so, so yeah, his she eyes she are didn't green. see him until she got his cowl off, I guess. Okay, but she talks so much about seeing those blues. I I just couldn't. Pro- like, is she saying that she didn't ever see them until the cowl was off? Uh, probably until she actually fell for him. Yeah, because she couldn't have, because he always has those white white things over his eyes, his eye holes, and she's always had her eyes showing. I think most of the time. Yeah, I think all of her costumes she's got. Yeah, even that weird Templeton. I gotta, oh, I gotta reread this again. Here's what I think. Yeah, I think that she's writing a positive letter to him until Holly says that thing, and so her last page, the one by Joel Jones, it with the horse. Because she says she didn't have an ending. She didn't have an ending, and then Holly makes her realize that uh, she's going to destroy Batman if she marries, marries him. him. Then we get her wrapping up the letter that she had written with a goodbye. And that's that's a good way of looking at it, that's, too. That's how I got it. And and I like that she's sad about it. I like that she's sad about it, too, because I, that's, I guess, the most important thing to me is this this whole relationship and getting ready to the for the, the wedding did, like, mean something to me as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, when she talks about heroes making sacrifices and that kind of stuff, I mean, and this just occurred to me, too. You know, Catwoman makes a heroic sacrifice here. She sacrifices her love so that the world can have Batman. Can have Batman, and he can still be out there being Batman and saving people, helping people. And and she makes that sacrifice that's that's traditionally, and I guess you could say Western culture, that the male hero always makes. Yeah, or at least it's the hero's sacrifice, yeah. you know? Yeah, which... To save the world, heroes make sacrifices. Yeah. That's the lesson of every story. I wish that I could give my life, but I can't. I have to give more. My sacrifice is my life. And that ties love. it in so perfectly to that moment when she's driving in the car and she turns to Holly and she's like, Holly, am I a hero? Mm-hmm. And it's, oh, yeah. then it's a heroes make sacrifice. She's making this sacrifice so she is here. Dude, yeah, and this part of it be- so much connection here that like I think that I could read this four more times and continue to get oh, yeah. more out of it, which yeah. is incredible. I think I can, yeah. And the fact that... And nobody's, I mean, Batman probably is, is going to suss that out, but nobody else is going to see that that there was, I mean, it sucks, but there was nobility in that what Catwoman did. Oh, yeah. But none of the other, mm-hmm. I mean, the Justice League is going to see it that way. No. I mean, God, it's, imagine, it's imagine so tragic. Like Dick running into her now. Or Superman. Yeah. Like, yeah Remember Wonder that time Woman. we went to the fair, all four of us? Yeah. You kind of betrayed me, too. You're a dick. Yeah. Yeah, and Wonder Woman. And God, I just <laughs> noticed this on this Templeton's page. She's she's got her hand on the the on cheek the bat of shadow. Batman's bat shadow. <laughs> so we can just go on and on, but we really like this stuff. The Catwoman, the Batman issue, so so good. Yeah. yeah. Was there anything else that you guys want to read that you didn't get to read this week? I'm excited to read Captain America. There's actually like a lot. I really want to read uh, the Justice League number three. Yep. I'm oh, super, I got yeah. just really pumped to be reading that book. Um, I have a, a actually a handful. Th- like actually, I want to read Astonishing X Men. Yeah, I haven't said that since Whedon wrote it. <laughs> yeah, it's 
this was a really good week of comics. I'm about to leave the state tomorrow to go to Michigan. I'm so pumped. I have a bag uh, full of comics left to read that I'm really, really excited about. This is, like, this week, yeah, is is one of the high points I've had working here in a long, long time in terms of the actual comics coming out. There's so much that I want to read, and it just makes me realize how totally pumped I am to be reading comics and... There is more good stuff coming out now than there has ever been. And, yeah, yeah we're, we're lucky to be able to read comics right now. Yeah. So I'm Jeff, and the eye stuff has cleared up. Oh, wow. Um, wow. It, from thanks, talking about thanks, it? Tom King. Yeah, Tom King. No. <laughs> uh, actually, before we go, mm-hmm. I do want to say... Thanks so much for listening to us. This is episode 89. 89. Uh, we're going to do a midnight release after this. Um, but we, re- if, you're, if you're watching or listening to this, not watching it, you could be watching it. Uh, it's I really appreciate it. I think we all really appreciate it. Oh, yes. And we come up here and do this because we like doing it. But it means a lot to us that you waste an hour of your life, hour and a half of your life listening to us. So I'm really grateful for that um, because I love talking about comic books and I love reading them. So thank you all. I'm Django. I'm Jeff. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm Romboran. Romboran. Romboran and Fidley. Man, we had a real good podcast and this sign-off was a real... (laughs) Real piss tosser. Here, let's try it again. I'm yeah. Django. I'm a piss tosser. Oh gosh. See you next week. <laughs>